Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk about church planting, theology, and drink coffee. And welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. I'm Adam Diamond, a church planter candidate with Malwin Mission. And today you're going to hear another interview, this one being with John Lewis, our newest intern from Biloxi, Mississippi, who has come to be a part of what we're doing here in St. John's, Newfoundland. St. John's is a city here that is less than 1% evangelical in attendance. We have very few churches in regards to our population, and John has come all the way here. He has felt the call by God to come here to help us plant churches and be a part of this mission. Uh, but before I tell you anything else, uh, yeah, he's here to chat with Steve Bray about his story. So without any further ado, I hope you enjoy his story and you're encouraged by it. Well, welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Rugged Theology, where we kind of return to a bit of a series we had started earlier, where we had the privilege to introduce you to different members of the Mile One Mission team. Um, we've gotten a lot of backstory of various people that work with us who are from Newfoundland. They've got wonderful stories, wonderful testimonies, but this one is especially cool for me because this is a sign that God is blessing my one mission, that the ministry is growing because I'm here today with John Lewis. Hey, John. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Good stuff, brother. Um, and John is our first intern here with Mile One Mission, who is literally come from away. That's an expression we use here, John. If you're not <laughs> born and raised here in Newfoundland, you're come from away. So, John, tell us, where are you from? I'm from Biloxi, Mississippi. That's on the southern coast. Of the United States? Yes. Right. right. And was that, is that originally? Is that where you were born and raised? I was actually born about two hours north of there uh, in a suburb of Jackson, but I pretty much grew up in Biloxi. Ah, okay, cool. So I wanted to introduce you, our listening public, to John and how John, what his story is, how he came to Christ, how he ended up here all the way. How do you go from Biloxi, Mississippi to St. John's, Newfoundland? <laughs> we had John over for supper a little while ago, and he was telling me all the different things that uh, spiders and snakes and crocs and uh, alligators and everything else. And it just seems like the whole state wants to kill you, John, is the way you described it to me. Um, but I know it's home, and yet you've come from away to come here and now call Newfoundland home. So maybe, John, if you could, tell us just a bit about yourself and how you found out about Mile One Mission, maybe. We'll start there. Sure. Um, I became a Christian at the age of 22 while I was serving in the military, um, I didn't really have a whole lot of spiritual growth uh, from the beginning. Right. Uh, probably the first 10 years, I had almost no growth at all. Okay. I tried reading the Bible for myself. It was very confusing. I wasn't connected in with a good church, mostly because I was moving around so much. Mm. But once I did, um, I connected with First Baptist there in Biloxi, Mississippi. And one of the associate pastors kind of took me under his wing, kind of helped me out. And he started me on my journey going through some formal classes in college on how to learn about Christian theology. And and to me, I was like a dry sponge. I couldn't oh, get okay. enough of it. And I ended up doing a associates and a bachelor's in Judeo-Christian theology. And about once I finished that, I still just, it answered a million questions, but it opened a million more. Right. And I really started feeling that pull towards going into something deeper, um, I wasn't sure if it was going to be pastoral ministry at yep. first, um, but I wanted to go deeper, and 
eventually I did. I went into seminary. Uh, I was still working full time at the at so I I did it um, a lot of it online. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, finished all that up. I retired from my job, and um, about four years ago, I really started because I, I majored in evangelism and church planting. Right. I really started researching where was I needed. Okay. Where did God want me to go? And hindsight's always twenty twenty. I was always partial to Canada for some reason, and I, I mean, I've always loved Canada and the Canadian people, uh, but I wasn't really sure if that's where I, I needed to be, so I started doing some research, and the more I researched it, the more I just kept feeling that pull towards Canada. Oh, wow. And about four years ago, I did kind of an exploratory trip across eastern Canada, starting in Toronto. Oh, yeah. Went up through uh, Ottawa. Now, just for my listening audience... Everybody here in Newfoundland, when you say, I went through Eastern Canada oh, yeah. and said Toronto, I'm just going to help save your face here a little bit. That's not that's not Eastern Canada for Newfoundlanders, Central. right? That's Central, Central. Canada, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so you went, came up and you went to you went to Toronto, and, and that's the way yeah. we would say it in, in Newfoundland. You, you didn't go to Toronto, you went to Toronto. Toronto, yeah. <laughs> and then Ottawa. Okay. Uh, over through Montreal, Quebec City, uh, rounded out through New Brunswick and came, you know, just... I would ask a lot of people there, what was the climate like spiritually? Right. Uh, what was the church situations? And it was very interesting. It helped me out a lot. Um, and about two years ago is when I really started narrowing down. Uh, I just felt that Eastern Canada was where I was being called to go, where I was needed most. Yeah. Um, one of my pastor friends back in Biloxi was suggesting pretty hard that I, I go to the Western side. Oh, okay. Because we had a church plant. Uh, go to Vancouver Island right, about yep. seven or eight years ago. And I initially kind of looked into it just to see if that was maybe a, an option. But the more I looked into it, the more it was just, that was not it. Right. You know, it was just 100%. I had to go to the eastern side. And I don't remember exactly when I came across Mile One Mission, but I did during the research there, uh, looking through the different towns, That's regions. Right. I didn't know hardly anything about Newfoundland. Yeah. So I, I started. I just want to give you props now. I gave you criticism. I'm going to get you. You said Newfoundland right too. So props <laughs> to you for there, because Newfoundlanders we hear Newfoundland and Newfoundland yeah. and stuff like that. So good on you for getting Newfoundland right. So yeah. that's awesome. You're fitting yeah. in already. Oh yeah, fantastic. Yeah. You know, but um, but yeah, and that's when I, I think I reached out to you guys uh, probably in the spring or summer of 2019, mm. um, and wow, seeing if, if there was a a place I could fit. And uh, we were in the busy uh, season of mission, uh, kind of short-term stuff back where I was from. So it was kind of bouncing in between that. I retired at the end of 2019. That kind of opened up the uh, the door to do more research. And then, of course, the COVID yeah. started, and yeah. that kind of put the brakes on everything. Uh, because the original plan was that I would end up in Canada probably about a year ago. Wow. So but okay. that didn't work out. Yeah, our ways are not his ways, is it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, listen, so um, you did that. I, I remember the first time I think I got an email from you, and I was like, wow, Biloxi, Mississippi, and this guy named John emails me. And for any of our listening audience, no, I'm a proud Newfoundlander. I, I really am. And um, and yet we owe a lot to our southern neighbors. I mean, in regards to so many, I think I read a statistic that 40,000 Newfoundland women married American men. Um, from the Second World War onward, and there has always been this presence. I know my my grandfather worked at the Argentian Naval Base most of his life, so I guess my rearing 
I was taught to be appreciative of my, you know, the Southern neighbors and so on and so forth. So there is that legacy, but, um, is there anything in particular that, that, what was it about Newfoundland? I mean, I remember you emailed us, I think I emailed back and said something like, maybe you should look at where you're going, find a map and make sure you understand <laughs> where you're going. Um, what, what, tell me about that journey about, okay, you know what? Newfoundland is the place. Yeah, it was, um, it was more the focus on the actual city of St. Mm. John's instead of more the pr- provincial yeah. aspect, um, because that was one of the things we were looking at um, in our college studies as far as the church planting curriculum goes is what cities okay you know you can focus on a rural area but generally most church plants are going to focus on urban areas right and looking at st john's all the statistics uh, regarding the population and the religious climate and everything it just that was just like everything just fit together as far you know and doing the research and then the more i connected with mile one and calvary baptist it just kind of everything seemed to be falling in place yeah uh, towards saint john's yeah um, and of course i had never been to saint john's before right right um for this year so uh, i everything i was going off of i was going off of research okay so i you know i didn't really know anybody from here i talked to a, a couple of uh former co-workers one he had been here quite regularly, oh, okay. mostly into uh, Gander. Yep, yep. Um, when he was serving in the military, so he he kind of gave me some pointers on what it was like here, and yeah, it was helpful. Good. I do know we talked a lot via Zoom and all those types of things, and I do remember trying almost to talk you out of coming, um, <laughs> and, and that that type of thing. And I just again for our listening audience in regards to what John is referencing, because our city, I love my city. It's you know we would argue in Newfoundland, it's the oldest city in North America. Uh, over 500 years old. It has a great legacy, a great rich culture, wonderful religious heritage. But um, we have found that our city, as it's grown, has kind of lost its way. So it's culturally religious, but not, I would say, actively and vibrantly. And then that, that, there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But so, John, uh, you know, let's let's deal with some of the stereotypes and how you've had to deal with that, because a lot of people would say, oh, he's an American coming up here, thinks he's better than everybody else, going to come up here and save us all and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Has there been a learning process for you? You know, what's that journey like? What's your posture, your attitude, your disposition as you come here now? Essentially, you have to approach a situation like this. You have to be humble. You, right. you can't approach it any other way. Yeah. Um, it's almost the same type of situation like you would see in the military when you would station Americans in other countries. Mm. The very first thing they have to do is they have to go through um, sort of a class, if you will. Okay. It could either be a day or it could be a whole week. And they try to emphasize that this is not your country. Right. You're in somebody else's house Mm -hmm. as as it would be so you need to respect them respect their laws their culture don't come over here being loud arrogant Mm. you know yeah and waving your american flag around because you know you wouldn't want them come to your country doing that right so once you once you kind of understand that mindset um it really helps you open the door to learning um especially for me um since i I did have the, the privilege of living in germany and italy um, of being in foreign cultures and mm-hmm. experiencing that, uh, the same coming up here to Canada. You also did some mission work in, in England, right? Yeah. Or Great Britain? Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. And that would have been oh, eye-opening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very much so. Um, and I understand that, um, you know, unfortunately there there are some 
Americans that go before us and they give us really bad names, uh, bad choices, bad behaviors. Right. And so you really kind of have to win over people, earn their respect and mm-hmm. trust. Um, we, I learned that, especially in Italy, I don't think our next door neighbors talked to us for probably the first year and a half Oh wow! until um, they got used to seeing us, seeing okay. our behavior. Yeah. And they learned that we weren't like the what? ones that were before us. Okay. Right. So, uh, that, that's how I kind of approach the situation here is, uh, kind of baby steps, right? Not to overstep my welcome here. Just yeah. kind of let people know this is who I am mm-hmm. and this is why I'm here. Kind of let them build their own curiosity up. Uh, if they have some opinions to voice, uh, I listen. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, try not to interrupt. Just let them say what they're going to say and acknowledge it and try to get across that. Hopefully, that's not me. Right. You know, hopefully no negative stereotypes are coming from me. Yeah. And I'm not here to change. And, you know, and in fairness too, John, you know, bless your heart. I mean, just again, for our audience that you're listening in, we, we obviously have a desire to reach St. John's. We want to plant churches. That's why you're here. Um, we have a commonality in the fact that we're both sinners saved by grace, by the same Savior. And and yet I know as the executive director of One Mission that uh, – while I'm desirous to see Newfoundlanders and Labradorians come to Christ and, and, and be able to reach their own people, we can't do this on our own. And, and we are so thankful. I don't want even, you know, if we get listeners from America that are listening in, I don't want people to think we're American bashing. Um, and, and just like because Canadians can go places and screw things up and make a mess of things. Newfoundlanders can do that because you've learned we're pretty opinionated. Mm. Um, but I am very thankful because there's just no way for us to do this on our own. We need the personnel. We need those partnerships. But Newfoundland, as you've already learned, and I'm going to ask you about this in a little bit, is a very unique culture. It's, it's, it's not something you just land and go, oh, yeah, they're just people, you know, we're Westerners, we can do things. We have a history. We have a way we see life. You've already learned, and I'll ask you about this. I mean, our weather's unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our, you know, the ruggedness of our geography's unique. The way we relate to each other's unique. And I think that's important as we try to show people here the love of Jesus. We're overcoming cultural stereotypes. We're overcoming, you know, gender stereotypes. We're overcoming religious stereotypes, all that type of stuff. So, but let me just fast forward to people realizing that you're not doing this like you don't live the Skittles life. I mean, people picked up Mm -hmm. on it. You retired. So you're a guy that's my age, just a little bit older than me. So you've worked a career, you've retired, and then you lived in the the Midwest or the South. The Biloxi would be considered the South. Pretty much considered still part of the southeast. Okay, southeast. What in the world are you doing in Newfoundland, dude? <laughs> like, so what does a guy who just retired? What motivates a guy to say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna be 50 years old, and I know what I'll do. I'll move to the far eastern end of the continent of North America, be humble myself, and let a bunch of guys I've never met tell me all about this place." Mm. What happened? Like, what goes on in a guy's mind and heart to do that? Well, it, it comes down to uh, several things. Like when I was growing up, I, I was blessed with a great set of parents. And I had a, a father who wanted us to travel. Okay. He wanted us to see. He was he grew up extremely poor in right. uh, northeast Louisiana. And um, one of the things he wanted to do was was get out of that. Okay. You know, and he did so by joining the, uh, the military when he was 18 years old. That was about 1955. And he got to go over right. to Japan and, and see different parts of America. So when we were growing up, uh, he would make it a point every year 
to put us all in the family car and drive us somewhere and show okay. us different parts of America. So that kind of instilled a a sense of adventure and travel in me. Okay. Growing up, and uh, that 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 was probably a motivation in the military, especially when they they send me overseas. Uh, my first assignment was in North Dakota, so okay. I got a good taste of the uh, the northern snow and the the cold lifestyle. Right. Um, but doing that, and then I was uh, transportation, so I drove everywhere. Okay. You know, it was our job to, to haul things here and there and, and drive buses and, and different operations. So I got to see a lot of, you know, I got to see every bit of Italy and Germany pretty much. You okay. Know? So coming back here, or uh, coming back to the United States um, and growing up in Biloxi, I got kind of, um, I don't know. It was kind of a sense of it's time to move on. Okay. You know, and do something because life goes by so incredibly fast. Yeah. And there's a whole world out there to see. Yeah. And I wanted to not only to have that sense of adventure again, but also to use it for something beneficial. Right. And something that related to my faith. And it, uh, like I said, all the pieces just fit together. I don't think I'm smart enough to have pieced that all together. I think that was <laughs> something God instilled, you know, and, and said, well, you want some adventure? Here you go. <laughs> You're going to be in, uh, like you said, the uh, the corner of the northeast yeah. part of <laughs> North America for a little bit, and you know, see how you like it there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, it's been fantastic. You know, I, I can't really complain at all. Everybody's here, just so generous, and and you know, I, I can't express my gratitude enough. Yeah, but obviously, this this journey of faith that God has had you on, um, a lot of people when we retire think, okay, now I get to live for me. I, you know, I, I get to, you know, kind of focus on my hobbies. I get to, you know, enjoy, you know, I'll, I'll spend six months down on a beach in Florida and then I'll choose to go here. You've decided to come again and do mission work, like to be a part of a church. This is a church in a hard place. This is like slugging it out. You've come up here and we got guys that are 22 years old, 24 years old learning, and you're right there with them shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. So am I right to, to say God has really, you know, been working on you or how you see what you live for? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's exactly what it was. Uh, like I said, I was pretty stagnant the first 10 years of my faith. Um, and, uh, you know, I, that's one area of regret I wish I could go back and redo again. Mm-hmm. Um, because unless you're growing in your faith, actively growing, you're, you're going to be spiritually stagnant. And the rest of your life is going to suffer as a result. Right. Um, but all this kind of culminates together. Um, yeah, it's like I said, somebody took the time to walk me through the gospel during a very kind of not so glamorous part of my job at the time when I right. was 22. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm forever grateful that he did do that. Yeah. You know, he could have just been like me, had a bad attitude and just let's get this job done and get out of here. But he didn't. He took the time to sit with me, to talk with me, to walk me through the, the whole gospel plan of salvation and explain, you know, to a point where I could understand it because right. I really was, you know, lost yeah. in sin. I, I had no idea that this is, I'd been to church, uh, Easter and Christmas growing up right. here and there, vacation yeah. Bible school when I was probably 10 years old. I, right. I, none of it stuck. Right. I didn't remember any of that. So, um, so in turn, my gratitude, you know, for this wonderful salvation that we have in Christ Jesus, I want other people to know that, to mm. experience that. Because once you once you have that and once you you know that, uh, there's there's nothing 
in this world that can possibly compare. That's right. To such joy. And, and when you're able to be a part of a mission like this, um, whether it's, you know, in, in your own backyard, in your own house, uh, teaching and preaching the gospel, or yeah. you're going across the world doing it, it's, it's all just, to me, it's an honor and yeah. a privilege to be able to do That's it. That's so cool, John. And we're, we're just blessed to have you. It's been a real cool journey. But now let me take our, our audience, if you're listening, if you, if you read the Bible or you know about the Bible at all, uh, your story of just traveling up here reminds me of Paul trying to get to Rome when he left Caesarea. So here we are. It's 2021. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. We've got shut borders. There's arguments and fusses about vaccines and, and COVID tests and rapid tests and this test and that. There's a lot of tension between countries as they all take different approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, Canada's very different politically, culturally, sociologically than the United States. So you pack everything up, you decide you're going to head up here, take a chance. You know, obviously we worked with you on that. How many days, like when you left Biloxi, how many days did it take you? What route? Just tell me, you know, relive the journey to the border and beyond. Yeah. Well, one of the things I had to do was in February, I sold my truck. I had had a little Chevy S10 okay. truck I'd been driving for the last I'm going to resist years. every stereotype I'd like to have a, have a bit of fun with now, but no, go ahead. <laughs> you know, yeah, I bought a minivan uh, for the trip. That's a great and, one. Yeah. yeah, you know, and um, I, uh, I just had, boy, I had to scale down seriously. Right. I, mean, I did not think I had very much stuff until, uh, but I had a walk-in closet, you know, <laughs> in my apartment. In the last 10 years in my apartment, I, I, I looked when I get, started getting ready to pack, and I was like, oh, I've got to get rid of at least half of this. <laughs> and um, so I downsized, and then I, I packed up my minivan with as much as I could, and I have two cats, so they had to ride in the van with me. And um, I left on the 15th of March, and it was a good solid three days of driving from Biloxi up yep. to uh, Holton, Maine. Okay. And um, the COVID test, uh, the test result, I had taken a test in Gulfport, and I was trying to race the clock to get up to Maine uh, so I could cross the border, but my COVID test results weren't exactly what the Border Patrol wanted. Okay. So I got rejected. Um, I tried a different crossing, got rejected again. (laughs) (laughs) So the only other option was to take more tests. Okay. So I I took a test in... um, Callus. Yeah, Maine. that's right. Callus, man. And then yeah. I, I found a, a quick lab down in somewhere around Portland. Okay. Um, and I drove down there. At well, you definitely got to see the state of Maine. Oh, yeah. Beautiful <laughs> state. Too. Lots of trees. It is, yeah. Um, and, I mean, it was just an absolute blessing because I got both of those test results back that evening. Oh, wow. You know, and, okay. and both of them were, were printed out the way, exactly the way Border Patrol. So, wanted. so you went, you went to a border crossing in Callis, mm-hmm. then you go up to Holton, mm-hmm. you're, you're put off in both places. Yeah. My understanding, right? Holton, they even, they weren't happy with you in yeah. Holton. No, they weren't. Okay. They, uh, they actually gave me a citation to return to the United uh, States okay. immediately. okay. There you go. <laughs> so now, now we're not, you left on a Monday. Now we're into. This was. Thursday, Friday? Yeah. Uh, Thursday morning is when I first tried to cross. Okay. And then I tried again Thursday afternoon. And then Friday, I drove down to Portland. Down to Portland, and did okay. did the test and everything. And by Friday evening, about 7 o'clock, just, it was a miracle. miracle. Wow. Both test results back almost at the same time. Printed them all out. At all the negative, by the way, right? Yeah. Even the one negative. from Gulfport? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah. so good stuff. So yeah, you're... I did two in Gulfport. Okay. Um, two different 
COVID test uh, because they I, I they were kind of insisting I do one. I said no, 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 no. They, the Canadian government says this one, so they wanted me to do both. So I okay. did both. Um, and then Saturday morning, I got up and went to the border again. It's been about three hours there, uh, but it was a good three hours yeah. because it, I wasn't being rejected. It was oh the process. Know, yeah, the process and. Again, we use this word miracle, but it was definitely yeah. a grace of God. Oh, yeah. In a COVID Absolutely. world with closed borders, mm-hmm. trying to come to Canada, moving up here, yeah. they said, we approve. Exactly. Wow. And then once I left, I left the Border Patrol agent, I passed a police officer sitting there, I waved to him, and about a mile up the road, he pulls me over. <laughs> and uh, Welcome he, to Canada. He said, um, I didn't see you pull into the border station. How long have you been there? I said, three hours. He said, oh, okay. He'd been on a duty about an hour oh, and a half. Okay. And he said, I thought you snuck through somehow. <laughs> I said, no. Um, but then he checked and uh, I, I needed to register to get into the province of New Brunswick. Right. Because we had made sure you registered for Newfoundland. Yes. That Newfoundland would let you in, but we had forgotten about Nova Scotia and New yeah. Brunswick. Right. Okay. So he, he let me do it right there on my cell phone. And because all he needed was the number. Yes. He had right. To program that in his, um, uh, in his handheld computer thing. And, right. And then he, you know, he, he was a really polite, nice guy. Um, wished me well and Good stuff. gave me some pointers, yes. you know, for when I got to the Nova yeah. Scotia oh, right. checkpoint. Yeah. Good so stuff. I would be ready and, and um, drove straight through all the way to the ferry that night. And then um, took the ferry overnight to, uh, I think it was Port of Basque. That's right. The town. Well done, John. Then, well done. <laughs> and then got up uh, Sunday morning and drove across the island. And that you brought, and then you realize, wow, this is a big island. It is a big <laughs> island, yes. It's a lot further than I, I anticipated. So tell the audience, you know, here you are from the southeastern part of the United States. You've been to Italy and Germany, and Newfoundland is no Italy or Germany. No. Um, driving across Newfoundland, then you had to go hi- into hiding for two weeks. Mm-hmm. More COVID. I mean, what was it? Seven COVID tests? I think six. Six? Six was my final count. Yes. And again, for our audience, all negative. <laughs> yes. Uh, you're clean negative. and pure. That, that, that's great. <laughs> so tell me, what's your first impressions of Newfoundland? It's, um, it's different, but in a good way. Mm. Um, I can tell you, like, driving across the island, um, it was very scenic. Right. Um, especially along the coastline. Yeah. Um, you know, even though it's it's very rural going to the middle part, um, some people, you know, I, I've heard some locals here say, oh, yeah, there's nothing out there. But <laughs> to, to me... Well, that's where you're learning the difference between townies and, and what yeah. we call Bayman yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But like where I'm from, when you get away from the city, all you see are just rows and rows of pine trees. You right. don't see hills. You don't see scenic views and right. things like that. So when you come up here, it's kind of like when I would journey out west with my family. Oh, uh, okay. You see hills, mountains, right. beautiful lakes, and uh, just wildlife. And so coming across the island, that was that was a very big plus, even across Cape Breton and, yeah, yeah. and through New Brunswick, um, which, you know, I think I put that on Facebook. If anybody loves the uh, scenery, yeah. especially the trees, you're going to love Maine and New Brunswick. Right. And, um, and then, you know, Nova Scotia was just a completely different kind of beautiful. Yeah. And the same with Newfoundland. Um, I'd, I'd heard it been described, people call it the rock. Yeah. Um, and I can get that from the, <laughs> from the, the landscape, but yeah. uh, it's, it's still a very beautiful place. Yeah. And it's just, a rugged beauty. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's like the Rocky Mountains when, yeah. you, when you see it's a rugged and beauty. go through there. And just uh, I've still got so much to explore, especially around here on the Avalon Peninsula. Well, again, and our audience may not realize it, but poor John spent two weeks in quarantine to get out and I think probably had one of the epic longest 
fogged in seasons of St. John's. I think we've had six or seven days straight of fog. Now, the good news is it got rid of all the snow. Yeah. The bad news is you, you, you didn't even know where am I, <laughs> but, um, just in general, you know, general first impressions, the people, what you have seen, experienced, has it yes. lived up to that? Is it surprised oh, yeah. you? Very much so. Cause like where I'm from, Mississippi has two state mottos where the Magnolia state because of the Magnolia trees. Right. And they also say we're the hospitality state. Oh, okay. But I can tell you the level of hospitality you see here is far greater. Oh, wow. The people here are just um, very polite, very nice, uh, very generous. Yeah. And, you know, that 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 in and of itself is a blessing to, right. to be among people like that. Now, you say that, um, but have you, like, have you also experienced kind of the sense of humor of Newfoundlanders? Like, yeah. Have you um, noticed anything different? with my neighbors a little bit. Um, the, 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 the speech, the, the I, I hate to use the word accents, but the, it, cause it, well, we have one, trust yeah, me. it's more fact, than just we got an a lot accent. of them. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the different expressions and idioms and things yeah. like that. It, it's, uh, it's fun to get to experience that, you right. know, instead of hearing the same old talk, right. You know, um, although now in fairness, when I go down to the Southern States, I, I find myself all of a sudden I'm, I'm starting to talk like a Southerner. <laughs> And I kind of find it really cool and all that kind of stuff. But it is it is a neat thing. And I'm glad, you know, for our audience. And so if you're out there listening too, you know, John, uh, if there's, let's bring this around to the church planting part of it, just as we clue up. If you're a young person, male or female, you know, here you are in the, one would say, okay, I'm supposed to be entering my retirement years. Now I'm going to come and just serve God on this island. What would your message be to people? I mean, you've been here. I know you haven't experienced it yet. You're brand new. You're not even here four weeks, I think, yet, right? Yeah. Or just four weeks, maybe. Yeah, coming up on four weeks. Yeah, so what would you say to either a young man, young woman, young couple, older couple, or like, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? What would you say to them? If you were considering doing mission work, um, especially in the realm of church planting, you'll learn this early on. You cannot be easily discouraged. Oh, okay. You've got to stay yeah. positive. You've right. got to focus on the blessings God gives you. Right. Uh, because if you're easily discouraged, you're never going to make it to the, the first square right. you know, in church planting uh, because that, it's an extremely difficult thing. And if you read the stories of people who go before you, um, the challenges can be quite great. Yeah. And... You know, for me, for when people say to me, oh, well, you've, you know, you've sacrificed so much and you've done this. I really haven't. I mean, it's, it's painful being away from family and friends, mm -hmm. but in the overall scheme of things, this is not difficult, at right. least what I would consider difficult compared right. to what other missionaries are doing in the world and going no. through. Um, so I'm very grateful. And anybody who's considering coming up here, I think it would be an overall a very positive experience for them right uh, it will be a challenge like like you say it's yeah. not I don't think you're going to come up here and plan a church and con and convert everybody within right. a two-year time period that's not going to happen that's right yeah so. and then to close off just to give you the opportunity i mean no one gets here alone you've got a great church back home um so part of you coming here is is wonderful church family oh yeah yeah indeed yeah and, they're, they're my, my my church uh, home is at First Baptist in Biloxi there. Yeah. And they've been very supportive and they were all asking for more photos, I bet. videos, yeah. updates and things. And I'm trying to, you know, kind of, um, 
when the weather cracks a little bit, we'll, we'll try yeah, to get some. Right. Uh, and it will, I promise. Yeah. Some people say we get two weeks of summer. We get a lot more than that. It's a yeah. beautiful, beautiful place you haven't even seen yet. We're going to put up on iceberg season and whale season, and it is beautiful. And, and John, thanks for hanging out with me for a bit to, to get a little bit of your story. And anybody out there, if you've got questions, anything like that, you can find us at mileonemission.ca. And feel free. You, you'll find ways that you can connect with John on there. Um, I'm sure he would love to connect with you. I want to do another podcast with you, John, because again, you and I have a common kindred spirit, but you know, you're not here having lived a Skittles life either. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to dive more into your testimony, the walk. Um, cause I think a lot of people are out there wondering, you know, these guys that, you know, they're sitting around sounding all happy go lucky and they're chasing yeah. their dreams <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so stay tuned audience. We'll, we'll do another podcast where John and I maybe unpack our own lives a little bit and some of the the winding path that is the journey of life. Oh yeah. Um, but but again, thank you for doing this with me. Welcome to Mile One Mission. Welcome to Newfoundland and Labrador. We have been blessed to have you, man. And I'm excited. Uh, John is helping out with our crew in Kilbride, the neighborhood where our first church plant's happening. And uh, we're excited. And again, if you are out there and you're thinking about church planting or internships or anything at all like that, check out mileonemission.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, John. Oh, thank you. Take care, guys, and God bless you, a listening audience, and uh, stay in touch. Take care. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is a podcast of Mile One Mission. If you'd like to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland, please visit us at www.mileonemission.ca.